some of my best work. I'm your host, Jane Rocker. In this episode, singer-songwriter Josh Pike has chosen a relatively recent song, Born Out of Personal Anxiety. I Don't Know is taken from his last album, released in 2020, titled Rome. It was a five-year wait between albums when Josh Pike released Rome. The album's first single, I Don't Know, was released just as COVID-19 had kicked off around the globe. Coincidentally, the song deals with so many emotions as a result of that. Themes of love, loss, anxiety, growth and the concept of what home is are all touched on on this album. Here's Josh Pike from his home studio and the story behind his chosen song, I Don't Know. Let's start, you know, uh, a little about with this song and why you've chosen it as some of your best work. Because it really sort of helped me through a period of struggle in my life. It helped me articulate what I was going through and kind of therefore get on a bit of a road to recovery. So, yeah, specifically this song is about panic attacks, that feeling of impending doom and, and anxiety I went through a really bad patch with anxiety when I was, gosh, it was in 2016, 2017, and it pretty much took me off the road for a couple of years. And this song is about, you know, that feeling, what that feeling is, the struggle with that feeling. And for me, songwriting has always been about sort of self-therapy or self-help, I guess, and being able to articulate those feelings through this song helped me to get through it. You know, that's part of the reason that I'm, I'm really proud of this song. So is it fair to say then it's some of your best work because of what it's sort of allowed you to feel emotionally and sort of become more in control of, do you think? I think this song did allow me to kind of answer some questions that I had about, uh, you know, the struggle with anxiety. One of the big struggles that I had emotionally, apart from actually, you know, suffering from actual fear and anxiety was I was worried that my relationship with anxiety was part of my creative process. So I was really worried that if I, you know, was able to manage the anxiety or, you know, even get rid of it, then I might, my creativity levels might um, suffer because of that. And so I was really scared about that. And, you know, in the song I say, you know, I, I don't know if I want to lose that feeling of otherness. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, that kind of connection to something beyond, you know, the here and now. And I sort of associated that a little bit with my anxiety. So the process of writing this song, which is not only about that, but also has, you know, manifests into a song that I love and I love the production, I love the, the, the lyrics, I love the melody in it. It sort of in some ways was proof in and of itself that my creativity wasn't negatively affected by trying to get a handle on my anxiety. Can you 
maybe recall, I mean, so obviously it appears on your most recent album, which was out last year, but was this written closer to the time that you were in that hiatus period, I guess, and dealing with anxiety, or was it written as recent as maybe 2019? I, I, I definitely started writing this song around 2017, 2018. That's when the first sketches started to come together. Uh, and I think you guys have a voice memo of um, the first time I laid it down in full, just on my phone. You can actually hear my son, one of my, my younger son in the background, like interrupting me, <laughs> trying to get my attention to ask me what is on the ceiling. And it turns out it's a smoke detector. That's a smoke detector. I don't know, I don't know if I want you, I'll go. But yeah, I can recognise in his voice that he was around, you know, four or something like that. So that yeah, it was around 2017, um, and that was very much in the midst of of the, the the period of trying to get a handle on it. So that was when I was off the road, uh, and yeah, I mean, writing songs was definitely part of that recovery process or management process, I should say. Um, yeah, creativity and and art has always been my way of articulating those struggles in my life, whether it's emotional or, you know, mental or, you know, just existential, I guess. So, yeah, that was around 2017, 18 is when I started to write it. And let's talk about what we hear musically as well. Is there anything that's happening there that you haven't done before as as a singer-songwriter? Just for it to come under some of my best work, I wonder if there was something in the sound that that you felt came to you either really quickly or made sense. I think there's a, a real vulnerability to the production of this track. I recorded it. I actually recorded it live. So I played the guitar and sang live. And so it took me heaps and heaps of takes to get a take that I thought was good enough to put down on the record. There's a light doubling of my vocals, but it's a pretty fragile song. You know, there's only guitar um, and some accordion, which was played by my kid's piano teacher at the time. He's a, a professional muser. So I got him down and some trumpet and that's basically it. So there's a real fragility and vulnerability to the track, which I think really, you know, I often really layer tracks up and up and up. So I think that's that's quite refreshing to hear, particularly in the context of the subject matter and, and sort of revealing the vulnerability of the subject matter as well. Um, it was a little bit scary, but I'm, you know, I'm glad it worked out. I'm glad it turned out like that. Could I ask you, in terms of arriving at that point of recognising that you, there was anxiety there, what sort of happened that made you realise there was a problem, that you needed to sort of seek some help here? This wasn't going away. It was really just the panic attacks, the you know, low-level anxiety I think I'd been experiencing for years and hadn't really noticed, I guess. But um, when it started getting into the panic attacks, and these were really prolonged ones that you know, went for hours and the first one, really bad one was in the UK. I was on tour and I was over there by myself and I had to play in 15 minutes and, you know, I had this severe panic attack and somehow managed to get through it. Playing actually helped a lot. Um, and then from there it was, you know, it would just happen more and more frequently until it was ramped up to being sort of almost every night I'd wake up in the midst of a terrible panic attack and I just knew that I needed help. I'd been meditating i'd changed my diet i'd stopped you know drinking and, and doing other things and so i'd changed my lifestyle a lot i exercised and it just got to the point where despite all of those things i just needed a bit of extra help so i went to the gp and then 
you know, did some counseling and eventually started medication for it. And, you know, I'm very glad I did. I was very nervous about studying medication because of the whole killing creativity fear that most creatives have, but it was the best thing I've done for myself. So yeah, I'm very grateful that I went down that path. you what got you interested in music how far back that stems was that in your family home music music was a huge part of my family life my parents both had amazing record collections um and you know that was a big part of our family was you know booking time in the front room to to listen to vinyl because we only had one stereo player of course and from there it was just the only thing in my life that I was naturally good at so you know, school was fine, but I didn't feel like it was just a thing that came super easy. And sport was another thing. You know, a lot of my friends are really great sports people and I just wasn't good at sport. And I sometimes think of, you know, my ability to do music was kind of like somebody realizing that they're a really fast runner or a really good soccer player. Just, they can just do it better than other people. And that's what it was with music for me. I just, writing songs came easy to me. It just was something, it was just a joy. It was like, gliding through water as opposed to kind of plowing through mud. It was just something that I could do. And the, the, the more I did it, I felt like I was getting better at it. The more I did it, I felt like I was unlocking new ideas and new kind of ways to do it, to unlock this creativity. And so it was just, I was compelled to do it. It's just, yeah, I just, I'm still compelled to do it to this day. If I, if I don't play my guitar for a couple of days, I start to feel real edgy and I need to pick it up and, and try and, try and get out whatever it is that's in my brain that is tapping on the <laughs> tapping on the door. Do you keep books of songs that you've written or sketches of songs? Are you someone that can dive into a collection that you've kept somewhere? Absolutely. I've got rows of old moleskin uh, journals of with lyrical ideas and, uh, you know, some complete songs in there and just also just notes about books that I've read or pieces of art that I've seen, things like that, that might come in handy later. Now it's all, I mostly do it on my phone in notes or, you know, I have thousands of voice memos on file and and every six months or so I'll go through them and kind of uh, make a separate playlist of promising, promising ideas. Uh, and sometimes I'll come across a whole song that I've written in a flurry of creativity and recorded a voice memo of and and it's complete and so I will have forgotten about it so I kind of sometimes get these beautiful little gifts of of songs there but yeah that's basically how I do it I rack up a whole number of sketches and then I'll at some point I'll sit down and kind of start to refine them and and then pick the you know five or ten that I like best and and really work on them until they're, they're finished. And Josh, just coming back to the lyrics itself as well, I mean, it's one thing to go through what you went through on a personal level, but quite another to express that and share that um, as a human, as a male. Do you feel better for having done so though? Do you feel that connection to your fans, to those who discover this song or your music will better understand, yeah, where, where you've come from? Yeah, the, res- the response to that song in particular and when I did release the song, I gave a bit of an explanation of what the song was about because it was the first song back after a while. I, it, like I said earlier, it kind of, I didn't feel like, like I owed anybody an explanation, but I did, I wanted to give an explanation of why I'd been away. 
um, from touring and people were so fantastic. The response was overwhelmingly positive and loving and supportive, but it also was clear that a lot, a lot of people have experienced similar things. And so the more we talk about these sorts of things, the more it normalizes them. And it's like seeing the monster that you're afraid of, looking it in the eye, just, it does kind of desensitize you to, to the idea and the fear in a way. Um, so being open about it was a really powerful thing for me and people seem to really respond to it. And I'm quite a private person, so I don't, you know, put a lot of my personal life in social media or, you know, I feel like I give a, a lot away during in songs and don't necessarily feel like I need to do more. But in this instance, it felt great to be very open about it and it definitely helped me just be... I don't know, a lot a lot less fearful. There was it took away any kind of sense of shame about it. And as I said, the fact that so many people seem to be going through similar things was helpful for me and I think hopeful, you know, helpful to them as well. Can you paint a picture of where this was recorded and what was happening that day? Yeah, so this song was all recorded in my well, the whole album was recorded in my studio, in my home, in the in the backyard. There's a separate building down the the back of my yard, which is my workspace. I played the guitar and vocals at the same time. Um, so it took a lot of takes to get the one that I was happy with. But after that, I added some harmonies um, and then I'd, I wanted some other textures. So my kid's piano teacher at the time is a musician called Glenn Hopper and he is uh, a fantastic multi-instrumentalist. So I got him down to do some accordion and he uh, did a beautiful job, played a little bit of piano as well and then a, a friend of his played the trumpet on it. Um, so it was, I'd played that on the MIDI keyboard to give a indication of, of what I wanted. But the reality is I don't, can't read or write music. So I had to sort of sing vocal, but you know, melodies and stuff like that to try and tr translate what I wanted. Um, and from there, it was a matter of taking it across to Portland in the States. And I got the album, including this song, mixed by uh, a guy called Tucker Martin over in Portland. He's an amazing guy. He's worked with so many of my favorite artists like, you know, Sufjan Stevens and the Decemberists and stuff like that. So it was a bit of a multifaceted approach, but it started very domestic and, and ended up very undomestic, which was, which was good. Do you still like to perform it if given the chance? I, I love performing this one live. It's, you know, as I've sort of been saying, it's very fragile, vulnerable song. And even vocally, it's, there's a lot of uh, falsetto in it, which is, you know, a relatively new thing for me, singing in falsetto or singing so much in falsetto. And it is very fragile, which I think is reflective of the song itself and the subject matter. And so I love playing it live and I actually played it first as the opening song on a bunch of shows when I was able to play last year. I did a string of shows in between lockdowns. And playing it first, it did feel like a bit of an introduction again, you know, in the same way that it was an introduction to the album and a kind of explanation to why I'd been away off the road playing it first of a set after so long away felt, you know, felt like kind of that explanation was then brought to the live context and live on stage. So I really enjoy playing it live. It's it's hard to sing, admittedly, but um, it's really rewarding when you nail it. <laughs> Coming back again to this idea of some of my best work, is there anything that you've taken from this creative moment and applied to what you continue to do today? Is it that clear? I think the biggest thing for me in terms of it being, you know, something I'm proud of and something that I've taken a lesson or two from is 
the vulnerability and the honesty in the actual subject matter of the track and being open about that, you know, coming back off a break, I, I didn't feel like I owed anybody an explanation of why I'd been away, but this song kind of allowed me to to give that explanation without being, you know, just sort of standing there revealing my heart and soul. And But that vulnerability within the song is something that I've definitely carried forth. I used, used to shroud all, all my songs in heaps of, um, you know, metaphor and imagery so that people might not know what I was talking about. But I think it's pretty clear what I'm talking about in this one. Moving ahead with songwriting, uh, that level of kind of vulnerability and exposure is is something I, I do want to continue with. And so we've already got one single, haven't we? And then you've done the Gordy song and there'll be then the album maybe later this year or definitely next year, is it? It's definitely next year. Yeah. We'll have a couple of more singles, but um, yeah, the whole album will be released probably March next year. I'm probably going to end on a rather heavier note, but um, anyway, th- there is a line in there because I'll never know God in this particular song. And I think I remember reading one of your kids asked you about God and you go, well, I don't know because I'm an atheist. The, I am. I would say I am a spiritual person, but I am an atheist for sure. I don't believe in God. I, I believe that we're all connected somehow to each other through the, you know something by the fact that we're just made up of the same matter, I guess, more than anything. And I do believe in something unexplainable about how you write songs and how creativity is kind of seems like it's delivered to you. But I just don't choose to identify that feeling or that or that notion with a deity and especially not with organized religion, which I just I don't I'm not into. But yeah, I, I would say I'm a spiritual person. I believe, you know, when I when I look out at a beautiful vista, I do feel like I'm looking at something greater than myself, um, something unexplainable. And I'm not sure that I want to explain it either. I think that's that's part of it. You know, when I say, I don't know, I don't, you know, I don't know if I want to let go of this otherness. I don't, I don't know if I want it to be explained by something anyway. I think it's beautiful to not know things sometimes. Well, Josh, I think we've covered covered everything. So thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Josh Pike and the story behind his track, I Don't Know, was written around 2017 and released on his sixth studio album, Rome, in 2020. Let us know if there's an artist you'd like to hear on some of my best work. Email us, podcasts at mushroomgroup.com or get me on Instagram at janerocker underscore or on Twitter at jbirdrocker. I'm Jane Rocker. Thanks for listening.